What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 90 of the Midwest Angle Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch. What's back, crack lacking? Not much. Not much. Episode 90. Episode 90. We are inching ever closer, closer. to the big hundy. That's right. A couple months and we'll be there. That's right. Nine, is it nine? One, two, three. So it's actually 10 more episodes. Yep. Every once in a while, you know, things kind of get goofy. Like when you're right. subtracting like that, it's like, is it nine? No, it's 10. ten. Yeah, no, it's 10. Central Line, Rock Rapids, Iowa. Math. <laughs> it works. Ain't my strong point. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. We're we're moving right along. So, uh, Noah, uh, we, uh, we got the Walleye Classic is officially in the books. Officially done. Officially in the books. Officially. 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 Uh, we got what? 41 participants 41 participants and uh that uh, i i appreciate every single one of the we both appreciate every single one of the participants uh that was cool it was a lot of fun kind of having that donkey go off sometimes and you know oh man you know somebody's coming and man we, there was some big fish that were entered the funny thing about it is we were out goose hunting last weekend and i was with <laughs> your brother and all of a sudden i heard the donkey and i was like oh somebody caught a big fish yep and everybody yep. else that was with us kind of looked at us like what yeah, you wouldn't understand. Mm-hmm. Only the cool people do. That's right. But uh no, Seth Angle comes away with the win, uh seventy four and a quarter inches on three fish. That that uh is a, it's 20- a good week of fishing. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. Uh twenty seven and a quarter, a twenty six and a twenty one. I mean that's that's, that's pretty yeah. stinking solid. I mean, I don't know what that comes out to be. Uh well basically uh twenty 24 and a quarter average uh right in right there, in there a smidge yeah. over 24 inches average uh yeah that that's nothing to put your nose up to and uh that that was pretty incredible scott mockentoon had some big fish yes, he did. Uh, i think he came in second um we did a random draw for 50 bucks and that was wild bill teasler from up in ellsworth minnesota oh, oh william leonard he william came leonard through he uh you know, Bill actually won the uh, the Ion Auger that uh, Mike Olson awesome, yeah. donated to us, and and now he turns around and wins this one. And and uh, Bill's a fish head. I mean, Bill yep. loves to fish, and so that's awesome. That so uh, it pays to get entered. Yep, yep. So uh, yeah, ain't, ain't that right? You know, I mean, you know, it's kind of like a raffle. Bill put ten bucks in, had an excuse to go out fishing, and he turns around and wins fifty. So if uh, I mean, if that ain't the freaking cherry on top, I don't know what is. <laughs> But uh, smallest three walleyes, uh, that was uh, from Jim Gerard. Uh, custom. There. Yeah. Custom, custom ice mid- rod. Yeah. Custom Midwest Angler Podcast ice rod. I don't know. I might call up there and say, hey, hey, Jimmy, why don't you just make two of those? <laughs> Maybe three for Matt. But uh, no, that's going out to uh, Brianna Bruggeman. And uh, that's pretty sweet because I was talking to her husband, Austin, and uh, he was pretty dead set. He was going to be going for that, that's, you know, the smallest fish or whatever and win that ice rod. So, uh, yeah, he got beat down by his wife. So uh, that's good. That's good, that's good that's for good. him. Yep. He, he, needs, he needs some of that every once in a while. So I, 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 don't, think, I don't think she's going to let him use it neither. I hope not. She better not. Yep. She better that's not. That's hers. Yeah, that's right. She earned it. Yeah, Austin, you did not earn it. There was they. I know they were out on the Missouri River uh, in the Platte area, and um, yeah, strictly going for the smallest fish. He he actually told me a story that they were at uh, at their camper, and uh, they talked to the neighbors there at the campground, and they're like, "Yeah, we were down here, you know, doing this, and all we could catch is little fish." And Austin's ears, you know, like <laughs> little fish. Where at? <laughs> did Where you say you? little fish? We want the little fish. So, uh, no, that's pretty sweet. Uh, um, 
and yeah, once again, uh, Mike Rodman, uh, I think Mike's out in Wyoming. I, I don't, I don't even 100% know, but he donated a hundred dollar Bass Pro uh, Cabela's gift card for the winner. So Seth Angle's not only going to be taking home two hundred and fifty dollars cash, he's going to be taking home a hundred dollar gift card. And uh, then there was one other gift card given by Sean Bosler of Bosler Concrete over there in the big city of Alvord, Iowa. Uh, he donated a hundred dollar Shields card and. Uh, crazy but his son and actually ended up taking her home so yep. that that's pretty freaking awesome uh yeah so they 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 were also out in the plat area and i don't know i don't know i i can grab my phone right now and look it up but i'm not sure what Braden actually tallied up but i actually had the privilege of going out fishing with sean and Braden and whatnot here a couple weeks ago and old Braden, he's a fish head he was talking to me about all the youtube uh he, he's a googan squad fan so he, but he was he was talking about tossing out lunker logs and and bandito bugs and whatnot yep. and I mean he, he it was cool to to see a young kid like that that pumped up about fishing and whatnot and uh, so yeah that that's that but uh, yeah. no we we definitely appreciate everybody that uh, that signed up and joined that uh, that tournament I think we yeah. got to try another one here in the spring or you know we got to have an ice fishing oh we're one. gonna have an ice fishing one I don't know what we're what we'll go for maybe a I saw the women anglers of Minnesota actually did a toothy critters yeah, one. They, you know, that's like, what they do, yeah. You know, some uh, northern pike or musky or, you know, big walleyes and whatnot. And uh, that that would kind of be a cool one. You know, everybody's right. got a chance at that, you know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe well, it, maybe it would force some people maybe to try fishing something different. Yeah, we're do something chasing, a little we're different. We're all chasing panfish and walleyes during the wintertime. Maybe throw some hot dogs down on a tip-up, I tell you. Dang right. <laughs> And, no. if, and if you aren't catching something, at least you got lunch. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so if if you didn't get a bite, would you pull that hot dog back up and eat it? You know we're all tempted to. I would do, well, it. Uh, I would do it in a heartbeat. Right. Like, well, I wonder how cold it is. Uh, is it froze? You throw uh, that thing on a grill and I mean. Oh, yeah. If you're going to grill it, yeah. If, if you're eating hot dogs, what's in the water is the least of your concerns. <laughs> <laughs> and I it. like hot dogs. Don't get me wrong. So, <laughs> No, uh, no, no congratulations to all the people that you know the congratulations to everybody that entered it because you did it for a good cause yep yep exactly and and i don't exactly know um i haven't gone down and and looked at the bank account because the bank account that i actually linked to that is not my normal bank account because i just you know i didn't figure that that was right so i made one at the bank down here at town and uh linked that to the fish donkey up and and uh fish donkey actually takes a small cut out of that ten dollars, I think, like when you when you signed up, I think it ended up being like ten seventy five or eleven bucks or something like that. They take a cut, and so we don't actually get the full ten dollars. I think we get like nine dollars and sixty cents or something like that. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, just you know, for for you know, fish donkey takes it because you know if if you listen to our episode here a while back with Darren Amundsen, I mean that's their that's their job is running that yep. app. So uh, you know they they need to make money too and. Uh, uh, so that's how that happened. So I'm not 100% sure uh, how much money we actually uh, we actually got from that and uh, whatever, whatever. But I think what we're going to do is it's going to be right around the $250 mark, $300 mark. Uh, I, I think, yeah, it's probably about 300 bucks that we're going to be donating to the Club for Boys. And I already talked to Craig and I told him, you know, what we, you know, this is, this is what we're going to do here or whatever. And uh, so... As, as Hooked on Hardwater gets closer, we're going to figure out where those funds uh, work best instead of just throwing it into a general fund. And uh, so when that happens, 
we will 100% let all you guys know. But yeah, it's going to Hooked on Hard Water, and we truly appreciate everybody's participation. No, for sure. So that's that. That is, uh, that's the wrap on the Walleye Classic. Uh, moving ahead, uh, today we've got a really killer cool episode for you guys. And I, God dang it, I say that every single week that we have an interview. You know, oh, we got a cool well, episode. Oh, we got a cool episode. Oh, we got a cool episode. It's because they all are. Yeah, they are. But, I mean, I just feel like I'm, I got myself on repeat. Repeat, right. repeat, 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 repeat. But anyways, we got Brian Cavanaugh. And uh, if you guys, if that name kind of sounds familiar to you, and you're not friends with Brian on Facebook or whatever, uh, that's Craig Euler's right-hand man out there in, in the Black Hills, uh, best friends, fishing buddies, whatever. And, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, we've had Craig on multiple times, so it'll be cool to hear maybe some opposite side. Yeah, get, maybe we get the truth behind some of these stories. The truth, yeah, like how Craig, you know, and tells And now him, for the rest of the story. You know, I, I got a feeling that we're going to find out that B-Cav is actually Batman and Oilers oh, yeah. Robin. I could actually see that a little bit more, maybe. I, I'm thinking so. I'm thinking so. I bet Craig does have like a Robin costume at home. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, gosh, I don't even want to. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going there. It ain't happening. This is, a, this is a PG show. And that would make, and then Chris Peters would be Captain America. Captain America? I'm 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 a, I got a confession to make right now. I've never watched a Batman movie. I've never I watched don't any get of those super all that either, Superman so. nothing. But yeah, Chris Peters if 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 you were to actually picture a modern day Captain America, I do believe it would be Chris Peters. I mean, it have to be. Army guy just all around badass some Yeah. Son of a gun. Son of a gun is what I meant to say. <laughs> so yeah, whatever. That's that. And uh yeah, we're going to get over to Brian. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Good. How you guys doing? Really good. Doing great. Uh, Brian, uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to the podcast before, but uh, we always like to get started off um, and, and kind of give you a couple random questions. Uh, we're doing this interview at, well, 1030 in the morning, our time, 930 your time. And I want to know, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I had a peach. A peach? A peach. Yeah. All right. it, and I did. I did get my bike ride in this morning too. So I'm. I'm trying to be healthy. I'm trying. Holy right. moly! How, how many miles did you go? Usually it's two to three miles. Nothing real long, but just enough to get this old guy's legs working in the morning. Oh yeah. You uh, do you like take biking like really seriously? Like like you know go on some big long bike rides or just the old mountain bike that you've had for 15 years? You just hop on it and roll. Yeah, the old mountain bike. I, I don't get up in the morning and do the stretches and throw the tights and and all the name brand stuff on and, and ride the neighborhood that uh, everybody can see my goods. Nah, I'm not that guy, but I, I do like to get out and, and do about two or three miles in the morning just to, just to get moving. If, if we had a donut shop here in town, I feel like I could possibly be a bike rider. Like maybe I would tell Kayla like, Hey, I'm going to go on a two hour bike ride. I'd go down to the donut shop. Have a few. Yeah. Have a few and, and come back. That, that'd so, be my so donut. Would it be a glazed donut, or what would be donut of choice? Oh, glazed twisters, man. That's glazed twisters. Your kryptonite. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't want to know what I'd do for a glazed twister. <laughs> That's ice fishing fuel, right That's there. That's right. I'll put that in my back pocket. Nice. <laughs> oh, he probably has one in his back pocket right now too. So and the front pocket. <laughs> All right. Next question: Would you give up uh, ice fishing this season for ten thousand dollars? No. No. What what is the price that it would take? It, it'd be large. I and I mean it, it, it's it's 
like retirement large. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, 10,000. I, I wouldn't even think twice. I mean, 10,000 doesn't even, even remotely interest me about giving fight fishing this year. Not even close. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. You know, I was I was kind of thinking about that, you know, and at first it's like, you know, golly, 10,000 bucks, like, you know, whatever. And then you think about missing stuff like hooked on hard water and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, nah, 10,000 wouldn't do it. But I don't know, 50,000 would get me to pump my brakes pretty hard. <laughs> well, the thing of it is, we've all had those times where we're, you know, we spend all season on the ice. We have good times with friends and buddies catching and all that good stuff. And just think of the times when you drive to the water and you drive home and you think about something that happened, whether it was something you caught or something you talked about with the buddy and it just brings a smile to your face when you're driving home, you kind of giggle a little bit. And and how do you put a price tag on that stuff? You know, I mean, it's just those those are the those are the memories and times that, that get you by the hard days and the long days at work and all that good stuff. And for me, I just I know that's what I live for. That the fishing's great. I love the fish, but the time and the memories are they're they're priceless. You just can't take them. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think we've all probably been on those fishing trips where the fishing was terrible, but you look back on it and you think, man, that was one of the best trips I've ever been on, just because of the camaraderie or you know you stayed at a cool cabin, you you know you you grilled or you went out to eat at some you know local restaurant and you know you look back and you know that's the stuff that really sticks with you you know yeah a big a big perch or a big walleye or a big lake trout whatever uh, you know that that's fun but the 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 stuff that goes along with it i think is is what really makes the trip yeah i agree 100 percent. so brian where did you grow up well, I was born in eastern South Dakota. I was born in a small town, uh, Dismet. Uh, we left there when I was pretty young, but I, I was the youngest of four. So my, my father and mother both grew up in Dismet. So it's a pretty small community. So both families knew each other very well, and both families did a lot of hunting and fishing. So it was, it, it was I miss it. You know, I, I, I love going back there. It's just, you know, it's, when, you, when you go back to that small town, just that fuzzy feeling you get, it's, it's missed. And I, I regret not going back there, you know, as much, but as we all know, life just catches up and it's, it's tough to find the time, but, uh, right. I definitely miss it back there. No doubt about it. That's home of Laura Ingalls Wilder, isn't it? Correct. And funny story it was before I was born, but, uh, she had a, a house in town, uh, dismit and, uh, my, uh, my parents actually lived in the house that she lived in. That's now a museum. Really? I don't know wow. which one of my siblings were born. I know my oldest two were my both oldest brother and sister were, were born at the time. But yeah, my family actually lived in her house in town before they turned into a museum. Really? That's kind of crazy. In our town, you know, I mean, a small town also here in Iowa, uh, Jerry Mathers, who was the original leave it to beaver. He actually, oh, yeah. he actually grew up in our town for a little while. And when me and, well, when I was originally looking for my first house, I went and toured that house, and there was a picture of him in there, and like I wanted to buy that house just, <laughs> just, to, to, that. just to have it, but <laughs> it just wasn't wasn't the right fit for me. But yeah, that's kind of crazy how that happens. I guess Laura Ingalls Wilder might be a little bit more well known than than Jerry Mathers, but hey, I mean it's good for our town. Oh, definitely. So how how did you end up in the hills then? Well, my father got a job out here. It was just tough making money. And so he got a job out, uh, out here with uh, Black Hills Corp. So we actually worked in, uh, in the coal mines in Gillette for a while. Oh, wow. That's owned by Black Hills Corp. And then uh, actually turned uh, Rapid City into home base. So that's how we ended up here. It was like a lot of families move. Was, was this, uh, my father was looking for work and looking for money and, and just got to follow it to yep. go where he can to raise a family. So. Yep. 
Yeah. yeah. So uh, what kind of, growing up, what kind of fishing did you do? Well, you know, all kinds of fishing. My dad was, you know, it didn't really matter what we were fishing for. It was just finding a body of water and doing some fishing. It's, and as you guys know, as you, you know, you come to the Hills Fish Lab, it's, there's a lot of difference. I mean, when you, when you fish out in the prairie, you know, the depths, you're not, you're not fishing those deep depths when you come up in the hills. I mean, like Pactola, you're, you know, 80, 90, 100 foot of water. So there's a big transition between the two to figure it out. When I was younger, it wasn't a big deal because a lot of it was just bobber fishing. But as I got older, uh, doing more jigging, moving around and, and uh, find the contours, there, there is a big difference between the two, definitely. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Now, Craig told me that you actually do, used to do a little bass fishing, huh? I, I used to throw some spinnerbaits, yeah. That was, I, uh, oh, I suppose I was probably early 20s, and I got into bass fishing pretty good. And I fished bass, you know, for quite a while. And, and I still enjoy it. It's it's fun to do, but I just kind of veered away from it for what reason. I really don't know. But uh, Us neither. But yeah. <laughs> no, I. Well, you start catching some of those big lake trout out there. I can see where you kind of start focusing on that a little bit. Right. Yeah, definitely. And truth be known, I'm I'm kind of a panfish guy at heart, but uh, I love you know I love the big lake trout, no doubt about it. Now, if you were to tell us what what's your favorite lake to fish out there? Um, Pactola. Pactola, just just yeah. for the panfish and the lake trout. Yeah, because yeah, definitely because you can chase you can chase the bluegill and the and the lake are all in the same. It's and Pactola. I mean, you've guys been back in Jenny Gulch when you're back there in that sunrise or the sunsets. And there's a little bit of snow. It's man, I'm telling you, there is not a more beautiful spot in the world. But I, I could, I could sit there and watch the sunrise and sit back there day after day and never get told. Yeah, right. it's pretty cool. Now, now, but most people don't really realize that you guys got some pretty solid perch fishing and walleye fishing out there. Yeah, we do. So um, the last couple of years, Sheridan has actually produced some, some good perch. And matter of fact, uh, during Hooked on Hardwater last year, the uh, the pros tournament was won with a bag of perch uh, off of Sheridan. So Sheridan is a, a pretty good perch fishery, and we've also got Stockade that's got a good uh, panfish perch re- uh, pan fishery down there too. So it's it's good up here; it really is. Yep. Uh, now we we had Craig on here. I don't know. We've had Craig on multiple times, but uh, at one point in time, Craig fell through the ice, and you were along with him. Take us through that. You know what what was going through your head. Take us through the whole story. Well, so. When we were a little bit younger, now we're getting older and more wise, it, we it kind of took pride on being the first ones on the ice to break it up. And this particular day, we, we drove all over the hills looking for fishable ice, and we really struggled to find it. We ended up, I believe it was at Center Lake. And so, uh, no, it was actually a horse state. That's where it worked. And so we got there, and we kind of started stepping out, spud barn, and we felt like it was safe enough to fish. So we actually got out just far enough away from shore where we started marking fish. And we got out there, and we probably caught, I don't know, half a dozen fish. We were 20 feet away, and I happened to look over at Craig, and the hole he was around, I could see water starting to surround his feet. And I told him, I said, you know, you want to be careful. I mean, I could actually see you, you know, the ice is starting to sink around you. So we kind of stepped away, and I started stepping away, and it wasn't too long after that he went through. So when he went through, the Vexlar and everything was right on the edge of the ice, and, you know, you panic a little bit. You watch your buddy fall through the ice. So I took everything I had, and I slid it towards shore, and I just laid out on my stomach and kind of, you know, expanded out as much of the way as I could possibly. And uh, we were able to grab hands and just kind of slowly creep them out of the ice. But it was definitely an eye-opener. I mean, it's 
that uh, that whole thinking about getting on the ice before everybody having the bragging rights it definitely it, it changes after you go through something like that no doubt about it and let's be honest you were worried about that vexlar you could have left craig in there but <laughs> yeah. that stinking vexlar well in truth be known the vexlar i think his went dead so the vexlar he was using was my spare one oh. so I will admit the Vexlar made it away from the hole quicker than Craig did. <laughs> priorities. you got to have your priorities. Exactly. I'd have, I'd have done the exact same thing. <laughs> no, uh, it's, I mean, that's a good reason to fish with pairs, especially early ice yep. and late ice. I mean, it's a good idea to be with, uh, with pairs, ropes, anything like that, that you can help uh, help those situations if they, if they turn on you, no doubt about it. Well, and, I mean, this was before the float suit, correct? Correct, yep. Yeah, those float suits, I mean, that's really kind of, I mean, I guess I'll consider it insurance. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like, I'm not, I'm not afraid right, to go yeah. walk out on any ice because, you know, whatever. I mean, still freezing cold water and, and you still got to get back out. But the float suits have really changed the game. Oh, definitely. And they and they keep changing them. I mean, when they first come out, they, they weren't bad. They were a little bulky, you know, around the cuffs. Uh, your wrist, I mean, they're a little bulky, but man, the, even like this year, the new ones, clams coming out with. They're, I mean, they're lightweight, and when you wear them, you, you don't even feel like you have a float suit on. It feels like a normal jacket. So yeah, they have come a long way, no doubt about it. And it's that option to have that is, I mean, it's silly not to for the extra money they cost. It's very minimal, and it, to have that insurance is, it's just, it's not worth not, you know, having it and spending the money for it. Yeah, no doubt. Oh yeah. Now you know a few of these uh, companies, Brian, have been starting to un. Uh, unveil their uh, their new winter stuff. Is there anything that you really got your eye on that it's like, oh baby, I gotta have that, or or not not yet? Well, yeah, Clam. We did some product training with Clam here oh in the last week or two, and we've we've got a sneak peek of what's coming out there. And, and uh, yeah, there's definitely some things out there that are that I'm excited about. It's uh, and of course you know every year they're coming out with new floats and float suits and all that but just the uh some of the new tackle that's coming out is pretty exciting I, i'm pretty excited it's it's yeah it's definitely gonna be a good year no doubt about it absolutely now uh earlier in june uh me and a couple of my buddies were on our way out to the missouri river and uh we blew a wheel bearing out in the middle of south dakota in between a couple small towns and uh you know i i feel like that earlier you know we were talking about how it all adds to the experience whatever and, and we turned around and we just hammered the walleyes once we finally got out to the missouri river and i think we've all kind of got those stories where on your way you know you have these mishaps whatever do you got any mishaps on your way to some fishing trips that really stick out with you you know i, th I think we all do you know when you when you play with a sport that's in the middle of the winter time i, I think we all have uh, some more stories and you know, it's kind of funny because we talk about all these fishing shows and, you know, you can tape all day long and come up with a magnificent half hour day of, of fishing, catching, you know, quality fish. But Craig and I have talked multiple times, how fun would it be if, if somebody did add the mishaps leading up or coming home after that, just to, just your everyday reality type stuff. Uh, but to answer your question, yeah, we, we've had multiple ones. We've, you know, the, the whole wheel bearing in a boat, Craig and I have experienced that halfway up to up to Orm and Chase and Walleyes. We were, uh, one time we ended up uh, getting on some private property out by north of Phillip. And uh, we got out there in the middle of nowhere and uh, we ended up getting a flat tire. I actually took the tire off of the bead on Craig's truck. And the problem was, is the truck was borderline high center in the center, in the middle of us. We couldn't even get a jack underneath us. So that was no doubt an experience. We dug and we finally got the tire and the wheel on. We went fished, like you said, had an awesome day on the ice. 
on the way home, we got almost back to Rapid and we were hearing some clunking and, and so we actually pulled over and we did not get the lug nuts tied on the wheel. Oh, so it actually, yeah. It, so we were going down the interstate and, uh, it actually, uh, egg shaped all the holes in the wheel because it had been going wow. along so long without having the lug nuts. Tied. So we got, we got pretty lucky on that. Definitely. But yeah, it's multiple times getting stuck in the snow and pulling each other out. And of course the guy that's doing the pulling, he's always, cause I'm a Chevy guy. Craig's a Ford guy. We've always got to take <laughs> pictures and say, you know, Hey, I got to pull the Ford out or, Hey, I got to pull the Chevy out. So, any chance you can get to do that and jab at a buddy, uh, you certainly do it. But yeah, it's to me that's part of the experience. When we talked earlier about having those smiles on your face when you're driving home or coming back and forth in water, those are the times that I think to put that smile on the face that just, just adds that extra fun, definitely. When it never happens during good weather, no, or at it's, the right time, you know, it's never like it, it never has ever happened as you're pulling into a town and there just happens to be the auto parts store there on the side of the road. It's it's when you're, you know, 20 miles away from the nearest town or it's when the snow is beaten down and, you know, you're in a drift, no cell service. Like, that's just the way it always happens. But look how creative we can get when we're alongside the road with very minimal tools and very minimal stuff how we can get together and get creative and actually get something fixed to get back on the road. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. a little redneck ingenuity. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> let's get a plier and some wires. Exactly. <laughs> we had to take a few fences apart in our day just to get home. <laughs> Keep her going. <laughs> oh, man. Now, uh, this morning Craig also texted me and said, ask him about frostbit fingers at the football field. What's that oh, story man. all about? he would bring that up you know and i don't think he ever lets me live this down so we went out to a special place that's called the football field it's a it's a private dam that craig uh, happened to get us on years ago and the reason why we call it the football field is because the perch we catch out of there are the shape of a football they're just massive so we went out there one day and it's it's about a three mile ride in on an atv uh, mostly just out of respect of the owner so we don't uh, tear up any of his land so we went out there ice fishing and when we got there it was beautiful weather nice nice winter day fishing well it quickly turned on us and the wind come up and it got extremely cold the snowstorm come in but we were having like you know awesome luck on the on the ice catching uh, perch so we sat there long enough to realize that uh, we should probably figure out an exit plan we hadn't put up the shacks just because it was too windy. So we're sitting side saddle on the four wheelers using them as a wind block until we pretty much forced ourselves to leave. So we got all bundled up. Shag had, or Craig had his shack on the back of his ATV. I was using a tow bar and we got bundled up and we took off for the ride. And by that time we'd already had frostbite on our fingers. We were, we were roasted already. About a mile into the ride, Craig stops me and says, Hey, your shack has flipped upside down. So if you can imagine the scout was upside down, getting drugged on top, I had a cover on it and I was so cold. I looked at him and I said, at this point, I don't even care. <laughs> so we, I proceeded to run 20, 30 miles an hour, dragging my shack upside down all the way back to the truck. And if anybody had to seen this, they had to thought I was an idiot. We got back to the truck and I'm not kidding you. It looked like a yard sale inside my shack. It was insane. I had busted stuff everywhere. And it was one of those loads in the truck that you didn't care how it was in there as long as everything was in the truck you were leaving it didn't matter you'd figure it out when you got home once we got home and got thawed out we realized we'd frostbite our fingers i pretty much junked everything that was inside my shack truth be known the shack is still being used i actually gave it to craig's dad um so that kind of gives the kudos to clam about how durable their shacks are but man i tell you that that was one of those days that uh 
I love ice fishing, but I'd be okay not reliving that day. No doubt about it. Oh yeah, when when you get when I've I've had it snowmobiling one time where we were out pounding ditches like me and my brother or something like that here in Northwest Iowa, and I did not have the gloves for the job, and uh, I mean I literally just stopped and uh, like I I pert near like wanted to cry like I just <laughs> balled my hands up and I don't know if I stuck them underneath my jacket like next to my belly or put them in between my legs or what but. I mean, my fingers were hurting so bad. But, yeah, at that point in time, it, I mean, there wasn't a worldly possession that I would have not just junked to, to get just, back home. Yep. You know, once and once your fingers start thawing out, that's when the pain really happens. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. It, uh, it, yeah, it, it bites, no doubt about it. But, it was, I mean, we caught some good fish, but holy smokes. I, that's one trip I think I'd be okay just doing once, no doubt about it. And I think we've all been there before, where we're, whether we're out on the lake in the summertime or out on the ice in the wintertime, that it's like the fishing's so good, and but you know there's a storm coming in, there's bad weather coming, but you're just like trying to push that limit, and you always wait too long, it seems like. Yeah, we think we're smarter than Mother Nature. Right. And we're quickly reminded we're not. <laughs> it's it's always, we should have got off the lake 10 minutes the ago. The bite is always so good right before a rain or right before a thunderstorm, right before a blizzard or whatever. It always seems like that's when the bite is just so good. And yeah, I mean, same thing. It's like, nope, not leaving. <laughs> is it possible it takes away our common sense? I think it does. It's a drug. It's 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 yeah. like a buck and rut. You're just you just get <laughs> exactly. so focused and you're just like nose to the ground and ready to go and Got uh -oh. Like on that, my mind. Uh oh. <laughs> like that State Farm commercial where that old guy's waving that dollar at that chick for the purse on a fishing pole. You guys seen that? Oh yeah, yep. Almost had it. Yep. Yeah, almost had it. Almost <laughs> had it. <laughs> now, uh, Brian. With with being friends with Craig, uh, you've been a part of Hooked on Hard Hooked on Hardwater like since the beginning, correct? Correct. What I mean, just tell us a little bit. Like I, I I've we talk about it here a lot on this show. You know, we all tell our friends about it. You know, whatever. But I mean, I just I don't know. I I think I think people have got to tell you know what it means to them even more because I I think every person that's a part of it is just so. I, I don't know. It's the highlight of their winter. You know, it's just one of the coolest things any of us have ever been a part of. So tell us what that means to you. It's very special. It's as it is to all of us. You know, the thing of it is, is years ago, I remember Craig and I were fishing. We're on the ice and he, he presented this idea to me and he said, you know, do you think that I could round up a dozen guys to come out and take some boys fishing? And at the point, we thought a dozen guys, and we started kind of thinking in our head, who, who, are, who are a dozen pros that we could talk into coming out here? And, and that's kind of how the talks began. I mean, they began, you know, 10, 12 guys, maybe, can they come out and figure out where we're getting, you know, between his house and my house and, you know, get him a place to stay and, and, and kind of figuring out how this thing could get started. And, and to think that that was the initial talks and what it's what it's become is it's unbelievable you know i mean and everybody that comes out it's one of those things and you guys know this the experience you get and that feeling you get you know when it's all done and you're driving away and the boys are gone or the banquet's done and you just sit there and think it's like when you're a kid at christmas and, and it's like man i gotta wait another year to open presents again you know i mean it's the feeling is so awesome and i've been fortunate to have a young boy named breck and he's been with me now i think for four years and so i've watched him grow and man, I tell you, that's pretty cool. And, and I, I've been able to stay in contact with him and his mother. So I tried to support him in his, his Boy Scouts or whatever he does out, outside of uh, fishing. So it's it's neat to see grown men 
um, show emotion because I think in the world we live in, uh, we're not supposed to, we're, we're kind of thought that we're not supposed to be a man and not show maybe a little bit of weakness with emotions. And to me, that's the best part is even for myself and, and other guys that I look up to in this industry, for them to show emotions uh, with words or even some tears uh, just on how they feel about this. And I think that's even important for the boys because these boys that we take out, uh, there's a reason why we take them out is because they, they need some structure in their life. Most of them do. And for them to see a, a grown man that they look up to, that they think is, you know, as solid as a rock to show emotions and how much they care about what they're doing and their time they spent with the boys, that's good for those boys to understand, to show that emotion is good. It's to, it, to have those feelings is good. It's, it's There's nothing wrong with it. And to me, that's that's the special part about it is, these boys, what they can walk away from, and even more, what us, what us full-grown men can walk away from and, and just remind ourselves what we have and how lucky we were growing up to have these things that we do. Absolutely. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I think we all walk away from there thinking that we're the winners. Oh, know? yeah. And I don't know that there's any losers in the whole situation. No. So. No, definitely not. And like I said, it's, it's a, you know, and, and, you know, you guys see it too on the ice. Everybody's high-fiving and shaking. Guys, you maybe only see once a year, you're hugging and, that's just the kind of emotions this brings out. And honestly, if, if the world had more of that stuff, man, we wouldn't be in the spot we're in right now, you know? Yeah. Ain't that the truth? That is the truth. Holy smokes. Um, yeah, golly, I, I don't know. It just, it just really got me thinking. And right. it's like, man, we, we you know, I, I was sitting there looking at the next topic that we're going to bring up. And it's like, golly, like, it is. near have a moment of silence it, over that. It is just, <laughs> it is such a cool experience. For sure. You know, it's, you know, my first one last year and, like you said, just just seeing the excitement in not only the boys, but you know the pros out there, and being able to let loose and kind of show them tr their true selves, and it's just it's an amazing event. Well, I I don't know, you know, like there's a lot of times where I think hunting and fishing can kind of turn into a big dick contest. You know, I mean, you kind of walk around, uh, you know, like at a Shields or at a Cabela's, and you walk around the hunting and fishing section, and it just seems to me like all the guys are all kind of like posturing, you know, uh, what kind of, each other yeah, up, what kind yeah. of gear is that guy running? You know, oh, I bet you he hasn't shot a buck as big as me and whatnot. And I, I don't know, like when we get out there and you get to the cabins and, and, you know, we're having suppers together and, you know, having some beers at the end of the night and whatever, I just feel like all that goes away. Like, you know, we all look at each other as equals, as a, as a team and, and whatever. And ah, God dang it, it's just such a cool experience. It is, and the thing, what's cool about that is, going back to your point, like with the Shields, I mean, I think sometimes, depending on what event you're at, it gets so driven as far as pro staffs, no matter which one you're on, and, and like you said, puffing the chest out and trying to prove a point. But the neat thing about, about Hooked on Hard Water is you go there, and all of us pros are, are, some are with the same companies, some are not, some are with rival companies, but at that particular time, none of that matters. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're sporting an otter shack or a clam shock or Eskimo. Or it doesn't matter any of that stuff. All that stuff gets pushed aside. And you'll see clam guys helping an Eskimo guy set their shack up. You know, I mean, it's or vice versa. But all that stuff gets gets swept under the rug, and, and, and there's no value to any of that stuff. You know, during hook on hard water, and which I think is awesome. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. we're all on the same team. When the second that we get out there, we're all on the same team. It don't yeah. matter what brands you're with. Now, Brian, what what are some of your plans for this winter? Do you got any big trips in mind? Uh, you got anything that you're going to try to get done here before, uh, you know, before or during fall? You got anything going? Well, I, actually, I think here in a week or so, uh, 
some good friends of mine, uh, Craig Euler and, and Dan Hogue with uh, Cold Snap Outdoors. We're going to meet up in uh, Chamberlain with uh, with uh, Christian Shantha Peters and, and do a little uh, do a little river fish. And I believe that's going to go down here within the next week. So that's uh, that's going to be the next one um, on the slate. After that, probably just some hit and miss, and then just getting geared up for ice season. Ice season wise, yeah, I mean we, you know, and I think you guys talked with Craig a little bit. We were able to go up to Fort Peck uh, and do some open water, and I, I think uh, ice on there is definitely high on our list to hit on the bucket list. Uh, we were very, very fortunate to get hooked up with some buddies out in Nebraska. Uh, they got a group of guys that go up to North Dakota every year, uh, two or three times a year, and they were able to get on some really big perch last year and invite us. So we, we definitely want to make that trip as well. So. Um, you know, there's a few things on the bucket list and, and Craig and I have talked about this for years that we always have these trips we want to take. And for some reason, middle of winter, either we talk ourselves out of it or we just get busy and it just falls by the wayside. And last couple of years, we just decided, you know, when we start coming up with these ideas, you know, we're not getting any younger. We just need to do it. You just make the trip and make the memories and, and then just start a new bucket list and keep going through it. So, yeah, yeah. Now, Brian, I, I almost part near forgot to even bring this up, but you've had a banner last year. You know, everyone's talking about how bad 2020 has been and, uh, 2020 hasn't been so bad for you as far as, uh, PBs, uh, for fish. How, no, how, how many PBs have you checked off in, in the last calendar year? Two. So two? I've, okay. I've able to break, uh, my Laker and my perch. And I was, I was very close on my walleye up at four pack, but it's been a phenomenal year. And, and the cool thing about it is it's fun, you know, and I'm sure you guys feel this way too, but it's fun going to new bodies of water and trying to figure them out and, and with new people. And, you know, for example, Fort Peck, you know, that's a, a pretty intimidating piece of water. You know, I mean, it's, you get up there and it's a hundred and some miles across. It's, it's, it's big body and it's fun, man. I tell you what, we had such a good time up there. We met Bernie Keefe. He's also a, a, a ice team member too. And he's a big lake trout guy. So, we fished with him a little bit, and then uh, we spent two or three days chasing walleyes. And that last morning, we finally got them dialed in, and and uh, we caught some we caught some good walleyes. And truth be known, I probably had my personal best walleye at the, at the boat that that broke me off. But we all have those stories. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, and it was this big, and never got it in the boat. But um, that that body water up there is pr- pretty stinking special. It's it's a fun place to go, and if you've never been, you've, it's definitely got to be on the bucket list. It's good. So. We actually were able to, to boat, like I said, my personal best laker up there. And then uh, during the ice up in North Dakota, I caught uh, actually the same day. Well, and I shouldn't say that. In two days, I broke my uh, perch personal best three different times in two oh, days. Wow. Nice. wow. So, yeah, it was awesome. And, you know, it's nine foot of water. Everything was nine foot of water up there. So, I mean, it didn't matter where you went. We drilled the ton holes trying to find structure. It was pretty much just a, you know, flooded farmland, and it was all the same depths. So it was, it felt a little hit and miss. Um, and I, I was fishing that second day and I'd already broke my PB, like I said, twice. And that second day I was sitting on my shack. It was pretty cold. I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, I mean, obviously nine foot of water. There's not a whole lot between myself and the bottom. So my mental thought was to try to think and how can I draw something in? And, and uh, they weren't really after anything big and rattling. It had to be, you know, pretty small downsize. So what I did is I took a drop, uh, a drop kick, again, drop tick. And I took uh, some Mackie plastic, and instead of normally rigging it, like I believe a lot of us do, to where we're trying to draw fish up to the bait, so the, the, the bulky part of the bait, you can see from looking bottom up. So what I did is I actually took the plastic, 
and rigged it the opposite way. And I wanted the bulky part being from the sides. So my thought was, if I can get down there, I can try to draw things, uh, you know, around me, you know, 10, 12 feet, even further, just from the, the, the size of the bait being actually the plastic being uh, hooked on there sideways. So the tentacles were going not so much as up and down, but they were going vertical. And, and uh, I was lucky enough that that actually worked. And that's actually how I caught my, uh, my big uh, two pound perch. Wow. Do you do a lot of playing around with baits? You know, like if things aren't going quite right, you kind of, ah, you know, I'll kind of tinker with this or, you know, rig a plastic a different way. Do you, do you do that quite a bit? Or was that just something that uh, came to you right then and there and, and it just happened to work? No, I'm, I'm always thinking of different ways. And there's, to be truthful, and honest, probably some things I've tried that I'm, I'd be embarrassed even to mention, to be honest with you. But no. I, I'm, I'm always thinking of something different. Matter of fact, some of the new baits clams come out with. I've just this morning when, uh, when uh, I was waiting to go on the show, I actually thought of some ideas of some things I'm going to try with some of the new baits before I even have them um, before they come in. But I, I'm always in, and that's one good. You know, Craig and I will we'll go back and forth on stuff, whether it's in boat or on the ice. And, and man, I tell you what we can almost tell what each other's doing just based off our, our, our body movements and the way we're acting and the way we're drilling holes. And then we'll get our heads together. And uh, like I said, we obviously tried some silly stuff, but it's some of it works, some of it don't. But at the end of the day, if you try 10 silly things and one of them works, you're that much further ahead than you were before you tried anything. So oh, yeah. absolutely. Now, I don't know if there's any truth to it, but I actually heard that uh, the wacky worm, you know, when you rig a worm yep. wacky, like for bass and whatnot, that that was something that, at one point in time, a guy had like gone into a bait shop and he had, you know, had, had picked up these worms or whatever. And he had asked the people at the bait shop, like, you know, how, well, how do I rig this thing? And so they were kind of like fed up with the guy and they're like, oh, just do it just like this. And they showed him the wacky style and uh, he's like, oh, all right. He went out there and absolutely smashed him. And he came back and he was like, you know, yeah, man, that really worked pretty well or whatever. And, uh, you know, they're like, yeah, right. No, no, seriously. It did and whatever. So I don't know if there's yeah. any truth to that, but I mean, you think about the wacky worm versus, you know, a Texas rig or, or something like that. And it's like, oh man, that ain't going to be nothing. And you know, it just, some stuff triggers fish, you know, just, you know, like you said, flipping, flipping something sideways, you know, to give more of a profile from the side instead of from the bottom. And, and you know, who, who knows what's going to make a fish go bananas, but there's different things that do. Oh, it's crazy. Just like how much how you're not on your eye adjusting that oh for sure makes a difference sometimes yep. oh definitely yep. and i know even like one time we were out with the, you know the first or second year or maybe even before it come out when they come out with the craigie when uh you know scott brow with mackie plastics we were fishing them and i, I think we were limited in how many we had so it must have made before it was actually released to the public and so we we're kind of losing the, the plastic was getting pretty bad so we we're losing ways to hook it so craig actually hooked it backwards and so instead of hooking it with the contour of the hook to give it its shape it normally would he hooked it the opposite way so if you were to look at the jig on the back side of the hook that's where the tentacles and everything are hanging off because that's the only way he could hook it that was all that's left of the plastic and he went down and he crushed like two or three lakers in a row so before you know it, we're all hooking that way that day just because that's what was working but yeah that's definitely a, a good example of just trying something different yeah i mean i've heard of i, I actually heard of somebody last year I, I was talking to them about some panfish and they were telling me that they would bring along a toothpick and that they were using wax worms you know with a little tiny tungsten jig and they would snip off with their fingernails one of the ends of a wax worm and they would stick a toothpick in the other side to make it go inside out so that all the the guts and whatnot were on the outside oh, and that's how they yeah. were hooking them 
and they said that it was nonstop. But I mean, that's just you know somebody right. somebody got so bored of not catching <laughs> fish somewhere along the line. It was like ah, piss on it. Let's, Let's try, try it. it, and it worked. So yeah, it's well, crazy. years years ago, the, when Craig and I finally started getting on the lake trail, and uh, we figured out the mice shrimp, and which was obviously. I was, uh, this is kind of crazy. This is one of those stories I can't even believe I'm telling you because I'm half embarrassed I tried it, but I'm not giving up on it yet. So anyway, <laughs> I was laying in bed, and I knew we were going to lake fish, lake trout fish that morning, and I thought to myself, what if I actually were to buy cocktail shrimp? So a cocktail shrimp, and I thought, I, you know, I figured out a way to hook, and I was going to try to dead stick it at first. So here I go. I'm leaving. It's 5.30 in the morning. I go to the local grocery store at 5.30 in the morning, walking through there, you know, how the ice fishermen are in the mornings. We got our boots, and half tied and you know we look like we just came out from the ditch you know so i'm walking through this grocery store and and i'm sure they're thinking i'm going to the donut aisle i go get i go get two packages of cocktail shrimp and i come up and pay for them this lady had been thinking you need to go home and get some sleep and and sober up because what you're doing right now is not right it can't be so i go up there and, and i was half embarrassed i don't even think i told craig until i was done i was in my shack because i didn't want anybody to see and uh, I was hooking these shrimp, and I put them down, and, and I, I had one flag, though, and I, I never caught nothing on it, and I'm not ready to give up on it yet, but I was embarrassed enough that a lot of times, you know, when you pull up your dead bait, and it's your minnow's dead, your, your shiner's dead, you just peel off, throw it on the ice, and walk away. I actually picked up the dead shrimp and put them in my shack, I thought, man, I don't want somebody to sit there and go, who is this idiot out here fishing with cocktail shrimp at Pactola? But I'm not ready to give up on it. I believe there's still something to it. I just, I just need to figure out the rigging. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna catch one on it someday. I just, uh, I need to put some more time into it. Have you tried dipping them in cocktail sauce yet? That's the secret <laughs> well, that you're I, missing. I mean, <laughs> you can't have cocktail shrimp without cocktail sauce. Good point. But I had to say that in case I got hungry too. You know? <laughs> right. See, that's a, it's, a, it's like a multi-purpose. I mean, you get hungry. I mean, you can eat shrimp on the ice as you're fishing and use it for your bait. Dang that's right. that's what I, I mean, was thinking. I'd, I'd drop one down the hole, and by the time I pulled that baby out, I'd have the other two packs gone. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. So but, that was one of those silly things. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I still believe that, that it could be caught with it. I'm, I'm just. Um, oh, you got to think so. All oh, right. Shrimp's yeah. a shrimp, you know, right? Yeah. And I just figured, you know, upsizing it. I mean, you send bait down there, and most of the baits we send down there, you know, for panfish and other stuff, we've upsized the bait before we send it down there, whether it's artificial bait or live bait. You know, somehow we try to make it bolder than what it actually is. So that was my thinking with it, you know. Yep. No, I don't think that's crazy one bit, honestly. But, uh, you you know, do you got any crazy stories about Craig that, that he wouldn't probably personally tell us that, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like you guys are good enough friends now that, you oh, know, yeah. he, he he isn't going to be uh, too pissed off at you. It ain't going to ruin the friendship if you tell us one of these stories that uh, you, you got anything right off the top of well, your head to just throw some dirt on that guy. I, th- I think that, you know, I recall listening to the podcast when he was talking about Peck that first day we were out there. And, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you mentioned something about Craig and, or excuse me, Chris and Brian were whining and wanted to go in and get some supper, and I wanted to fish that first I day. I do out. remember I that do, story. Yeah. Okay, so, so I think this was the second or third day we'd spent most of the uh, day chasing walleyes. We wanted to uh, make about a 12-mile run back up to deeper water and then chase some lakers, and, and, and the waters got big. They were big. I mean, we, it, was, it was a tough ride, and we got out there and then hunted for the water, and we're fishing, and we're bucking bronco in it. I mean, we catch something. We earned it, no doubt about it. Well, Mr. Social Media Craig, 
he uh, Facebook himself. <laughs> he uh, he decides to check his phone, and so he's on his phone for not very long, two or three minutes checking something. Well, the water's big enough, and he looked at his phone long enough uh, that when he put his phone down, he looked up. I I could see it in his eyes. He he got himself a little motion sickness, and so uh, he had mentioned, he says, "Boys, we we may have to cut in early. I, I'm not feeling well." And uh, I said, "Well, hold on here. What?" Mr. Fish, Mr. Laker, he's not feeling well out in big water. And so we, Chris and I tried coaching him through it. You know, look towards the land, don't the horizon, don't look down, put your phone down, look. And uh, long story short, it, we, we lasted about another 15 minutes, and, and we had to reel it up and, and, and get Mr. Oiler back to the shore there before something happened in the boat. Well, he's not quite as tough as what he puts on, huh? Sea legs there, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Uh, I, I, the cell phone got him. When he stared at that cell phone long enough and popped his head up after that, it was, it was a game changer for him. No doubt about it. <laughs> there is definitely truth to that. We, uh, we were down fishing in the Caribbean, uh, off Mexico one time. And, uh, that I, I don't want this to, you know, be like, Oh wow. Scott was fishing. Like, I mean, we were down there at an all inclusive resort and we found someplace, you know, for a couple hundred bucks to bring us out. Like we weren't nothing too diehard or whatever but uh my dad went down below to go to the bathroom and he came out and he was just white as a ghost and i was like oh boy but yeah i think you know if you're not if you're not sitting there looking at the waves coming in looking at the shore or whatever i mean that'll do it to you and yeah. and uh i always take drama mean before any time that i'm gonna go out on big water or anything and uh my dad's always so stinking tough like you don't need no stinking drama mean and i'm like hey pal we're out here fishing like we are not going in ain't a chance so I went uh, down the, in the in the Gulf of Mexico. I went down there um, tuna fishing one time with my brother, and so we were on that one charter boat. I think there's probably 20 of us on there, and, and he, you know, he lives down there. So we threw jammer being and maybe before I went out there, just so I wouldn't get sick. And so we went out fishing, and we were outside the cab, and we were, you know, watching everything. I'd never been down there, and it was pretty cool. And, and before you know it, man, one by one, these people start busting out of this cab, and they're throwing chunks over the edge of the boat. And it's like, oh, <laughs> that don't look good, you know. So now we get we get out there, we do some fishing. And uh, we make our way back in, and out there we're on international waters. So we stop and do some uh, uh, shark fishing, just some sand sharks, nothing real big, you know, four or five footers. And uh, so we're out there fishing. They're putting basically a flame and yawn on the end of the stick before you throw it down there. And I get mine right away, you know, and Captain would come down, and we we're gabbing. He asked me where I was from, South Dakota. I gave him the whole story. And you can catch one per guy. So I catch my one, and I thank him. And and, uh, and he'd ask me, he says, well, you done fishing? I said, well, yeah, it's one per guy, isn't it? He said, you got like six, eight guys, and they're puking their guts out. He said, you think they're going to come out there and catch fish? He says, man, bait back up. Get another one out that. Right on, I'm in. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've seen that firsthand, man. I felt I felt bad for those guys. They, they, they were green in the face. They were puking. They had no ounce of fluid left in their All stomach. Right. It was it was a tough run from whatever money they spent to get on there. I tell you what, they'd have paid double that to get back off it. Yeah. Sure. That the truth. Once you start, there's no stopping. You you don't. I mean, I mean, you just once keep, you get sick yeah. out on the water, I don't think you can stay out on the water and get better. Like you got to go to land and and just sit there for a while. Yeah, that's that's no fun. And the thing with it is, when there's 20 people with you, it's not like you're in control of your destination. I mean, right. you're along for the ride at that point. Oh right, yeah. right. No. Well, Brian, uh, I don't know. You know, we kind of covered everything that uh, we were looking forward to talking with. Uh, unless you got something else, uh, you know, that that you wish to talk about, uh, we'll probably call that an end to it. Um, I'm actually, you know what? I do got a story about Dave Gens. I wouldn't mind sharing. I would love Definitely. to hear it. I would like love to hear it. it. 
so we uh years ago when actually got introduced with dave we met him at uh, uh dakota angler and uh, he puts on a field every year it's called the the gens invitational and there's roughly about 20 guys that go to it so we got this invite so craig and i and uh, dan hogue with cold snap we we decided to make the trip so we go up there and i believe we're on ash lake it's in northern minnesota so we went up there pre-fish one day and then the tournament was the next day and uh so we went out there on ash lake the first day and that's where i met a lot of guys todd todd and, and rod Wilton and a lot of these ice team guys and so we were up there fishing the first day and, and uh craig and i thought we were gonna you know just knock this thing out of the park we're from the black hills we know what we're doing and so we go up there for the first half a day on Ash Lake. We do, we get it handed to us. I mean, we're being too stubborn to go fish with the crowd, and we travel all over this body water, and we find nothing. So about midday, we make it back to the crowd. We just tuck our tails, come back. We catch copies all afternoon. Next morning, we get up, get out there for the tournament, all-day tournament, and uh, I drill about 12 holes. And about my third or fourth hole, I get on uh, a pile of rocks, and I'm just I'm I'm doing very well on the bluegills. So. I'm sitting in there, I flip my shack over, so I'm sitting in there and I'm catching bluegills. Nothing huge. I, I'm guessing about nine and a quarter to nine and a half was the biggest, but for bluegill, I felt that was, you know, pretty solid. So I ended up catching in, uh, quite a few and keeping three. So about midday, Mr. Gens comes over, he's gabbing with me, and and uh, he asked me if he could take a look at my bluegills. And anytime Mr. Gens asks you to take a look at anything, ice fishing or fishing in general, you just do it because, right. you, know, <laughs> you know, that's just who he is. So I show my bluegills and and I've caught bigger, but I, I felt like they're decent, you know. And he looks at me and says, yeah, those aren't bad, you know. He says, I don't I don't know how far they'll go in this group, but uh, good luck, you know. So uh, he walks away, and I'm sitting in my shack thinking, man, is he pretty much telling me that uh, don't weigh those, those bait fish in? Or what's he, you know, what's he trying to say? So I finish out the rest of the day. Craig says, hey, we better pack up and get into weigh-ins. And, he, you know, Craig tells me he didn't catch a whole lot that was worth weighing in. And, at some point in time in the afternoon, I decided I wasn't going to be that goofy guy from Rapid State, South Dakota that weighs in these little tiny bluegills in front of all these ice team guys. So I, I, I had chose to put mine back down the hole and let them swim. So Craig comes over and he's like, holy smokes, you, you threw those back? I said, yeah. I said, man, Gens come over and kind of mentioned that maybe these probably wouldn't go very far in this group of guys. And so I just didn't want to be that guy, you know. So we go back to the cabins and we get showered up. We didn't even watch weigh-ins because we didn't have nothing and we were, you know, didn't want to embarrass ourselves standing with no wins so we go down to the banquet afterwards and having a good time gabbing with everybody and they start giving out awards so uh dave's up there giving out awards and they rattle off the first place bluegill and it, it's a pig i mean it's a it's a big bluegill and uh they rattle off the second place and i'm thinking well that's, that's not bad that's not bad they rattle off third place i think it was and craig and i looked across the table and he says dude you threw back the third place gill and i thought oh man you gotta be kidding me so after it got all over you know Mr. Gins comes down, asks if we had a good time and had fun. I said, yeah, we had a good time. And I said, hey, did you really think that those uh, those bluegills weren't going to go very far? He says, no, I knew they were good bluegills. Matter of fact, I knew he had better bluegills than I did. So I figured the only way I could beat you is talk to you to throw in your spot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my gosh. You got big time. Oh. I did. The, the old man Gins bit me on that one big time. But you know what? It, after that, I told myself, I don't care what it is. I'm wearing a bit. It don't matter. Well, I think so. I think Gens does a lot of card playing and whatnot. Oh, yeah. I mean, he threw the poker face on and freaking bullied you. <laughs> oh, dude, he did. He had the sunglasses everything. He pretty much threw me on like a rag doll on that deal. It was – But I, I mean, had a blast. I, think... I had fun, and I learned a huge lesson on that deal. But, uh, yeah, I, I learned – with myself, I learned to be more confident – 
right, uh, with what right, I'm doing and what yeah. I'm catching, you know. I think that would have rattled anybody's cage if he would have came up right, and been like, oh, okay, those are, yeah, those are respectful. It's the godfather of ice <laughs> fishing, <laughs> and, and if he's kind of making you feel like, yeah, man, you know, I don't know, don't embarrass yourself. Right. Like, All right, then I'm not yep. going to embarrass myself, but wow, yeah, that's was, that's a good one, man. Yeah, lesson learned, but like I said, it's it was good, and what a time. It was a blast up there. We had we had a good time, and like I said, anytime you can fish with Mr. Gaines, it's uh, it's good. It's it's fun. So No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. it's uh. It's, I'm looking forward to the ice season and, and uh, see what we can put together. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know if we're going to make it out to the Black Hills, uh, you know, before hooked on hard water or not. But if we don't, uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you when we get out there. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate you stopping in and uh, having a chat with us. Yeah, no problem. Congratulations on your addition to the family, too, buddy. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you guys having me on. You bet. Thank you, well, you were you were you were great. So. Awesome. Awesome. We'll talk to you later, Brian. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. That was Brian Kavanaugh. B-Cav. B-Cav. The old B-Cav. You know, that's a name that, A, you can you can pull off the old B-Cav. Like, me and you don't right. have names that, no. that you can have a sweet nickname like that. Like, the S-Stew. Yeah, it just. The M-Do. Yeah. S-Stew and the Matt m S two. I'm not a rapper. I'm not a rapper, guys. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend to come at you with some sick flows. But. You know, we need to come up with like a. They need like a nickname like for their group out there. Oh, you know, like them back, them Black Hills boys, or something like that, or the Pactola Posse, or something like Pactola that. Posse. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is! It's the Pactola Posse. That is it. It just happened right now. We're gonna make shirts. We're gonna be selling them. And the proceeds are going to be going to Hooked on Hard Water, the Pactola Posse. Instead of, yeah, I'm, we could do like a Mount Rushmore theme with their faces on it. I mean, okay, the, who who are we who are we throwing on there? We're going to have Craig, Bcav, Peters. Oh, Oakley, oh, Oakley, Oakley. <laughs> there we Oakley. go. Those <laughs> four, the Pactola Posse, the Pactola Posse. <laughs> This is done. Like, I don't even care. I'm going to go down and I'm going to talk to Blake Shipper at Rapid Graphics this week, and we're going to get her going. Pactola Posse. Everywhere you go in the Black Hills, there's going to be decals on vehicles, the Pactola Posse. It is. Even if they don't want them, because when we get out there for Hooked on Hard Water, we're just going to walk around and slap stickers on random's vehicles. That's right. Because if you don't get arrested out at Hooked on Hardwater, I mean, were you really even there? <laughs> I don't know. All right. All well, right. that's yeah. that. Gee, Manelli, Pactola Posse. Golly, that was good. That was good, Matt. For a dumb guy like you, that was, I know. That was a good even, one. Even I come up with something good every once in a while. Absolutely. So, uh, no, thanks to B-Cab for, yeah. for stopping in. That that story where he got snookered by Gens, that, that was freaking absolute gold. Like I said, that I mean, anybody else, you would have put your guard up and been like, nah. But I don't care who you are. If, if Dave Gens comes in there and says something like that, he's in your head. Right, right, for you're, sure. You're second-guessing yourself. I don't care if you think you are the best fisherman in the world as far as ice fishing goes. He comes in there and says it. He could trick you out of, you know, like you might have a state record and, and, you know, all of a sudden Dave Gens kind of gives you that look like, hey, man, you know, that that one ain't good enough. And it's like, man, like, have they been nailing whoppers out of here for years? And, you know, they're just trying to keep it under the radar so more people don't come and, and whatever. Like, I mean, Gens is Gens. Like, you're not going to question him. And, and then at the banquet, I can just see that little 
smirk, that oh, little glimmer, God. just kind of like he knew he had he, him. Yep, he came he up. Knew and he says, had him. <laughs> that you know that that's really kind of cool. Like I I don't personally know Dave Gens. Uh, you know we've talked to him uh, a couple times or whatever, but I don't know him to the point of like understanding his competitiveness. Right. And, but I mean, obviously there is there is some <laughs> real competitiveness there. You know, uh, probably especially in in both cards and fishing, but. Uh, no, that's that is freaking awesome. So, no, you know, Matt. Uh, one of one of the things that I kind of want to touch on today, you know, with uh, uh, with with this episode, you know, as as we were coming up with uh, side side topics, you know, aside from the interview, is uh, you know the the sponsorship and whatnot aspect of fishing, and uh, you know, obviously, you, you you have the pro staffs and you have you know guys that go out and promote products. On top of that, you know, especially, uh, you know, with with guides and tournament anglers, you have real sponsorships, you know, where these guys got to have a lot of money to, you know, get to the next spot, to take their boat out every single day, you know, do all this stuff and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of got thinking a lot, you know, here in the last couple of weeks about, you know, is, is there real money being exchanged? Is it just product, you know? And, and so that's something that I kind of wanted to talk to you today about, you know, I mean, obviously like if you get Seth fighter with, you know, Rapala, you know, that's his, that's his title sponsor for say, you know, on, right. on the Bassmaster elite series. And, uh, I, I've got to think in my mind that, uh, you know, Seth fighter, not only is probably getting all the free Rapalas that he wants, Rapala, Rapala, whatever it is, but Rapala's that he wants. But I got to think that he is also actually cutting a real check. You know, he's right. getting a check cut to Yeah, him. I think, like, these guys that are making a living doing it, they have to. I mean, otherwise you're not going to – I mean, <laughs> free uh, DT10s ain't going to pay the bills. Well, that's just so. it. You know, and not being a title sponsor. You know, do you get your name, you know, small at the bottom of the jersey? Yeah, possibly. You know, I mean, right. when you figure how many, you know, how many uh, baits – fighters going to throw in a year you know i mean and you know the second one gets a little buggered up you know that one's coming out of the arsenal because you know a treble hook is bad you know yeah they'll replace treble hooks whatever but i mean you know these guys are fishing for a hundred thousand dollars and they got to have the best equipment every single time that they you know get out there on the water you know they're not going to leave something to chance but what what do you think that amount is you know like i mean kevin van dam you know i mean with Strike King and, and, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, th these have got to be some pretty big checks being written, you know, not not 2000 bucks. you know, not, you know, whatever. I right, mean, you're talking, you know, I mean, you're talking quite a bit for some of these guys because, I mean, the time and effort that they put into going out to shows, going out to, you know, just promoting them on stage, just, you know, magazine shoots, TV shows. I mean, obviously they're going to get a, probably a pretty significant amount of money to make a living like that right and 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 then you know even on top of that like we've seen uh dan spangler post pictures with edwin evers you know fishing down at the berkeley you yep. know whatever so i mean there's the development aspect too you know these pros are getting there and and doing some development right with, they're not just getting their name thrown most of them just aren't getting their name thrown on the product i mean a lot of these guys enjoy the process of you know, maybe coming up with what their name is going to, what's going to, you know, their name is going to be behind. So yeah, they get in on the design process right. and just, you know, making sure it's how they want it to be. So, yep. I mean, it's kind of like a job for them then too. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, you know, I was talking to a guy who I know here a while back, and uh, we kind of got talking on this topic a little bit. And uh, he he was telling me about a guy that he knows that I don't really know, but uh, this guy's a guide up in Minnesota, and uh, he is sponsored by an electronics company. And he told me an amount that, that that guy gets paid, you know, not not just in electronics, not just, you know, that you can go to the online store and, and type in your code or whatever, but, I mean, a real check written to him. On and, I mean, it, it was a significant check. I mean, this wasn't, uh, you know, it, it wasn't more than $50,000, but it was more than $10,000. And, you know, I mean, it really got to got me thinking, you know, like, wow. But, I mean, this guy grinds, you know, I mean, he, he well, grinds and, for and this company. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. When you're getting out there and doing that, uh, like I said, it's no different than us going to our jobs and stuff like that. Right. And, I mean, this is those guys' jobs, and this is how they chose to make a living. So, I mean, they're going to find how they can do it the best that, that they can. Right. And, uh, you know, as far as like the difference between like, I'd say like a professional fisherman out there promoting a product in a guide, sometimes the guide, you know, those guys are getting the product in the person's hands. Right. And helping, right. The, you know, so they're firsthand seeing it and that's how they're getting it. Like, okay, now when I leave, I might go buy this stuff or I might use, you know, it might be a different brand of boat or something like that. And, you know, I really enjoy being in that guy's boat. So, you know, we're thinking about getting a boat, you know, this is what so-and-so ran. So. I would I would go as far as to possibly say that I think a guide has a bigger influence than somebody that's even, you know, on one of the pro tours. Because, I mean, if, if you really sit down and you think about it, like on the Bassmaster Elite Series and whatever, not everybody has a camera on their boat. Right. So, I mean, you are limited then to the walk across stage weighing your fish. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's about the only time, like, you know, then I then they got to be really good with social media and things right. like that. Whereas with that guide, I mean, he can be good at social media too. Exactly. They're just as good. And now they're taking, you know, some of those guys that do two trips a day, a morning trip and an afternoon trip and say they get three or four people on each trip. I mean, you're almost, you know, right there firsthand getting the product in these people's hand, 10 people a day's hands. I mean, some of these guys are doing 250 plus trips a year. Right. I mean, they're out there grinding every single day on the water. So definitely they, I mean, that's why you know, these companies, it pays to pay those guys. I, I truly, I truly think so. Like, I mean, if I was, if I was to go up with, you know, somebody up in Minnesota and they would take me out crappie fishing for say, and we would just hammer crappies on, on a lure that I was not familiar with. The first thing that I would be doing when I got back down here to home would be either to go on the internet or go to one of the local bait shops or a shields or whatever and I would be buying those to have them in my arsenal. And, and you know, I mean, you, you really think about that. Like, on the Bassmaster Elite Series or the MLF or, you know, FLW, whatever, you get a guy that comes to weigh in and says, yeah, man, smoked them, you know, smoked them on uh, the Outcast, uh, you know, whatever, or, or, you know, Z-Man Chatterbait or Z-Man Nethead or whatever, right. you know, this and that. They're not getting down to what weight it was. They're not getting down to what color, you know, it was or whatever. I mean, they're just going to kind of give you a broad deal. And you have to take them at their word. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of lying going on. Well, in, in the last few tournaments, or this year especially in tournaments, if you watch them in big tournaments, a lot more guys are starting to say, you know, they don't always use 
right. what they're sponsored by. When the they're, camera's in the boat, right. you don't have a choice. Right. You, a lot of these guys use whatever's going to catch them the fish to get them to that $100,000. Right, right. And, and you know, I mean, that, that really, the guide can't mask it. No. You know, the guide cannot mask it. This is what we're using. This is what you're having success on. This is what you're using. This is what you're not having success on. Right. But, I mean, you know, I mean, most it, of these guys are pretty dialed in. And if you want, you... If you want to right now, you could call up a guide and set up a trip to get in his boat. Try that with a professional fisherman. Be like, going to work. going to work. Unless that professional fisherman also does do do some guiding on the side, but they're busy. Not at your lake. Right. That's the thing. So it's just like, that's the cool thing about guides and these companies like paying these guys, which they should, because I mean, you can get your products into a lot of hands. Like you, you mentioned electronics. You go out in the boat with this with a guide, and it's just like, man, I really like this setup. And so, what what do you run? This you run to the tackle store a few weeks later, and you want to upgrade the electronics in your boat. You're probably calling that guy back and saying, "Which one were you running again?" Right. Okay. So right there, they're getting their product in that person's hand. And like I said, imagine they're doing that all summer long or all winter long, and yeah. One well, and and then you know to to step that up and, and and put that a little bit farther, like things like Omnia Fishing, the, that's a new company that's come out you know here in about the last two three years or whatever, kind of like a tackle warehouse or whatever. But they've actually got a deal where you know that guide can go out and bring you out fishing, and then you might type in the code you know Deitch five at the end right. or something like that, and then you get five percent off. But Omnia can see that. You know, you came here, you bought that because Matt Deitch showed you, you used the code Deitch5, and then they're actually giving a kickback to these guides, you know, here at the end, you know, maybe you get 5% of that sale also, you know, and and it goes back to the guide. But I mean, things like that, I, I really, truly, I mean there's no masking it i mean you look at you know the youtube guys and and all these dudes that are you know use this code at checkout or whatever for you know 5 10 15% off i mean that that's not the company just wanting to give a discount that's the company trying to see how their money is working yep. with that with that you know guy who's getting sponsored and and uh you know that's really interesting to watch the development of you know online sales but you know the development of, of how word of mouth can actually turn around and, and benefit these guys. And, and, and to me, these, I mean, to make it as a guide, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, you get a fish every single day. And we've interviewed a lot of guides. And I think if they'd all tell you, they, I mean, they love it, but it's not easy. Oh, it's a grind. I mean, it is. It's There's days where you wake up and you're just like, we've had it before. Like, if we just don't want to go fishing that day, you wake up that morning, you're like, nah, you know, I'm not feeling it today. You just don't have they don't to go. have that option. They don't. It's just like I got a trip book. I've got to put on, you know, I've got to put on that good face and go out there and be excited for these customers. And I, it's not easy work. It's this, it's that salt mine, just nose to the grindstone work. And, and I mean, they truly do appreciate and love it. That's why they all do it. But like you know, they they're, do deserve to get compensated by these companies that they right. I mean, and but they work for work right for. I mean, holidays. I ain't got no holidays. Right. Because you know, that's I mean, when people have off and that's when people want to go fishing. Right. So, I mean, they're, I mean, I, I will guarantee you if you go to Minnesota, South Dakota, you know, Iowa, whatever, there are guides that have truly worked, you know, 50, 60, 70 days straight. Right. Every single day, waking up, getting their boat ready. You know, I mean, 
And then you, you have the added pressure of keeping people on fish. But I mean, you got to regas up your boat. You know, you got to yourself eat. You got to, you know, maybe you got to restring line because the guy, you know, the day before wrapped yeah. one up in the motor or whatever. And, you know, it's not all roses. And, and, you know, I mean, I think all of us, probably anybody that's listening to this podcast has at one time thought like, man, I would love, you know, to make my living in the fishing industry, you know, I mean, to, you know, to be a professional fisherman, whatever. And, and I mean, I think you really got to pump the brakes and, and think like, do I really want to make my living and be a professional fisherman or do I just really like fishing and, and, you know, right. you know, whatever. But, and, and I think that's where, you know, like going back to that story about that guy who, you know, is potentially getting a check cut, you know, I mean, he he's he's having to go to these shows you know i mean any anywhere probably within 150 mile radius you know he has to go and do seminars he has to every single fishing festival you know show whatever he's got to be there he's got to be you know talking with customers mixing it up and and i think that's how a lot of these companies are doing it you know hey come work for us at that show and we will give you x amount of dollars for being there for a day two days three days whatever you know that you can turn around go online and and buy product or whatever but uh you know to to get a real check cut though that's that's pretty incredible right it is i, I mean it takes a lot of hard work and it and you've proved yourself right to these companies is it, not everybody that just decides i'm going to be a guide today or i'm going to be a professional like i'm going to go fish tournaments automatically oh it, okay we'll we'll give you we'll we'll pay you to do this and it's just like no 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 no. it's like you've got to prove yourself and i think you see that with a lot of these guides you know if we're talking guides that have put in the years and they put right, in the work right. and they are successful in their business right you know it's their business they're successful with it they carry themselves in a professional manner uh people speak you know greatly about them recommend them to other people you don't yep, just yep. you don't just get a good reputation as a guide by just being a guide right yeah there's no lone wolves that are successful i mean you you network yourself with the bait shops with the tackle companies with with local businesses with other guys yep other guides and you know you help them pick up a you know pick up a large group or whatever so no that's 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 really pretty incredible when you really sit down and you think about it like i mean like you said it's it's more there's so much more to it than what a person really realizes and to come down to it they deserve to get paid whatever they're getting paid by these companies. If, if if that company that company puts that value on you, if they feel like if they feel like you're worth sixty thousand dollars a year to them, then you're worth sixty thousand right. dollars a year to them. If you're if they think that you're worth five thousand dollars a year to them, I mean it's still a check. You know, I mean, say it's say it's ten thousand dollars. That company obviously feels that if they're going to cut you a check for ten thousand dollars and give you new free electronics every single year, they are making at least probably double that. Right. You know, I mean, on, on what they figure that you're actually turning around and selling for them. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. What, they're what the making money on yeah, you. It is. You might as well get yours. Right. Yep. So, well, good for, good for all those guys. And, you know, I don't know, hats off to the guides and, and to the professional fishermen, you know, fishing tours and whatever else. I mean, uh, we understand it's a grind and, and we appreciate it because it's, it's freaking awesome following you guys on social media and watching you guys, you know, on, you know, at, at the weigh-ins, whatever. I mean, yeah, just, just cool stuff. So golly, I just, I felt like I had another thing that I wanted to quick throw in here before we went to good news stories. And I don't remember what it was, 
Hmm. So if I remember it, I guess it's going to be on 91. <laughs> so, Matt, good news story. Um, there's a Bass Central op- or a Bassmaster Open going on right now. Yep. And a lot of the upper Midwest, a lot of Minnesota. I think there's three Minnesota guys in like the top 20 or something like yep. that. Josh Douglas was in top five. He's fishing in championship Saturday. We, yep. So, and he's, he put himself in striking distance. Uh, he's I, third. So, yep. And so. He's, he's on some big fish. And, and your dog, Daryl, is in the lead. I saw that. God dang it. That, uh, uh, what was his sponsor? Was it Capri Sun? No, it wasn't Capri Sun. What was his sponsor? Yeah, macaroni and cheese? A macaroni and cheese. When Craft at macaroni the open and cheese. Last yeah, year. last yeah. year when Matt went to that open, we, we pulled into the parking lot for the rules meeting, uh, you know, angler meetup deal, whatever. And uh, in the parking lot, we ended up parking Matt's truck right next to a macaroni and cheese boat and, I mean, fully wrapped I think, boat and whatever. I think, I think his boat was macaroni and cheese and his truck was Capri Sun. Yeah, I think, like, they must, both of them must be sponsored or, or owned Maybe by the same parent or company something or something. Like that. And, uh, right then and there, I knew, like, this is my guy. And, uh, no, so hopefully, you know, obviously by the time this episode comes out, uh, that, that will be in the... Uh, in the rear view mirror and hopefully Daryl or Josh Douglas comes away with the win. Cause right. that, that would just be awesome. Whatever. Down but, there uh, in Texas. Yeah. Sam Rayburn is it? Yep. Yep. So yeah, good enough. You. Uh, my good news story is last week, um, during that walleye classic tournament, uh, I had decided, I believe it was last Saturday morning that, uh, we were going to run over to a trophy lake over in South Dakota and try for walleyes. And uh, figured, you know, whatever, we just, at the end of the day, we weren't going for the win. I mean, kind of, obviously we are, but whatever, you know, we just all wanted to fill three walleyes. And I got to get out with my neighbor, Jeremy, in my boat. And uh, I had never uh, been out fishing in my boat with Jeremy. I've, I've offered it to him a lot of times, but he's busy, whatever. But uh, Big Tasty, my son, was over at his mom's place. And uh, for those of you that don't know... Uh, Obviously, Big Tasty goes back and forth between uh, my place and, and his mom's place, whatever. But uh, I told Grady that we will pick you up at 5.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. And at 5.34, we come rolling up, and I see the light turn off at the back entryway, and out out he comes. And so I asked Boom. him, I'm like, you know, did your mom help you get up or whatever? And No, no. He woke up by himself at 5.30 a.m., and uh I was just pretty proud of him. You know, that, that means that he's got that drive to get out there. And, uh, a lot of other kids, his age, uh, probably ain't going to be waking up at five 30 to go fishing. No, that's I pretty, mean, that's, you wake that's up at four 30 to play video games, but five 30 to fish. Yeah, and, uh, that's but good stuff. He pulled man. it off. So I guess that, and, uh, uh, that there will be episode, uh, 90, 90. So 90. Uh, episode 90 so all righty guys well thanks for uh, following along with us today i uh, hope you enjoyed the episode and we will see you next week on episode 91 later